to Connell Tribune, Thursday the 22nd of March 2018. Beware the edge of March, part two. March 1988, a British military parade in the sun-kissed colony of Gibraltar was the target for a foiled attack which left three young Irish people dead. Before the bodies would be interred in Milltown, another four young people would be killed and over 60 injured in violent attacks. In a week of unrivaled Shakespearean tragedy, there was to be one more cut to the human psyche. A dramatic finale to a week of horror was to find the capabilities for man's and humanity to fellow man. Back in the day when times were tough and we didn't know there could possibly be days like this, Van Morrison sang for Bill Clinton at Belfast City Hall to herald the peace serenade in a new era. My mama always told me there'd be days like this. But it was to prove a long, rocky, devastating road to the peace that a new generation recognised now. And never in our wildest dreams did we imagine that there would be days like we witnessed in March 1988. Thirteen days of pure hell. The BBC Two documentary on Monday evening last highlighted a period in time captured by live TV before it was really in vogue. It was a week beyond the comprehension of people everywhere. Television viewers in England or here in the Republic, governments in Dublin and Westminster, Republicans in the British Army, and none more so than the residents of the Town Road, where still one more horrific drama was to be played out. Once again in the presence of television cameras and a bay in world media. It was a different time from the modern era of Sky News and CNN, which has transformed how we receive our news, now it's instantaneous. We watched as Colonel Gaddafi was abused and murdered on live TV, Saddam Hussein heading to the hangman's rope, hijacked planes flying into the Twin Towers, workers leaping to their deaths from the burning towers, Gaza, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan. We've witnessed death and destruction in our living rooms in full colour on the 55-inch screen at the touch of a button. Who needs a PS4 when Sharon Evelyn delivers a real-life horror on the RTE News at 9 o'clock? As I alluded to last time, this was a week like no other. But initially that Saturday morning of that momentous week arriving arrived with a feeling of it's time to head back to the hills. That idyllic haven of tranquility bounded by the wild Atlantic, Sleeve League and Eregal, cut off from its natural hinterland by partition and the Republic by location. As they say, it's different up here in Donegal. But this particular Saturday morning was to hurl yet one more day of horror and brutality, almost surpassing what had gone before. We had planned to head off early back down the M2 over Glen Shane to Derry and home to prepare the kids for school on Monday after the most traumatic week in their young lives, indeed for everyone. Little did we know what lay ahead that day and looking back from the relative tranquility 30 years later, the abnormal times that were in it actually defies comprehension. During Stone's kamikaze attack at Milltown three days earlier, he had killed three mourners, including an IRA volunteer, Kevin McBrady, and his funeral was taking place that morning. Old Rita, Kevy McCracken's mother, who had also been shot that week, wanted to go to the wake house to meet and sympathise with the mother. Two women joined in grief. 
Ironically, McBrady's mother was from Donegal, a fluent Gaelgar from Guidor, who had instilled a love for the Irish language and their children. So much for the present claims it has been used as a political weapon. The lovely woman who shared her grief with us, another mother devastated by the death of a son. The funeral cortege moved off slowly down the Andersonstown Road that bright spring morning. No IRA colour party, no RUC, no British Army. There was a feeling that hopefully this would be the last funeral in a horrendous week. A quiet solemnity pervaded as the dignified procession proceeded down a road which had witnessed this scene from the early days of the conflict right down to the last few days previously when the Gibraltar 3 passed the exact same spot. A British Army helicopter flew overhead interrupting the otherwise tranquil vista but as we reached casement, suddenly the peace was shattered as a car careered seemingly out of control, out of the way of the cortege and towards a row of shops nearby. Then suddenly in reverse mode, engine roared as a panicking driver engaged clutch. The car again careered back towards casement, but now blocked by black taxis and an extremely agitated and frightened crowd. There was absolute pandemonium outside the gates of Caseman Park where normally the Antrim footballers would struggle to raise a heartbeat. Panic and fear set in immediately with everyone believing it was another loyalist attack after Milltown. We were probably as close to events as at Milltown two days previously. It was hard to fathom what was happening in a whirlwind of emotions pervaded. The car now at a halt was surrounded by mourners who were attacking it. The thoughts of the two guys inside are impossible to imagine. Strangers in a strange land to them. One can feel empathy for their plight. They were someone's sons, just like Sean and Dan and Kevy and Kevin. But the nature of their employment had placed them in this position. As it turned out, they were two undercover British soldiers. One of the soldiers fired a shot from his weapon, but to no avail. Both were pulled from the car by the crowd and dragged in through the gates of casement, away from the gaze of the startled thousands following the cortege, which had now regrouped and proceeded on its way to Milltown. The fate of the two men was sealed once it was discovered they were British soldiers. They were beaten and half-stripped before an IRA unit took control, bundled them into a black taxi and drove them the short distance to waste ground, just off the main road. Here the two soldiers were executed. Their almost naked, bloodied bodies and a kneeling, praying Father Reed remains the iconic image of a week in hell. The two undercover soldiers were the final victims in the most horrific and graphic of times. The 13 days which began with the SAS execution of Maria Farrell, Sean Savage and Dan McCann, followed by IRA volunteer Kevin McCracken killed by the army, then the Milltown killings of Kevin McBrady, Thomas McArlean and John Murray by the UDA gunman Michael Stone. Finally came to a horrific finale with the execution of David Howes and Derek Wood, part of the dirty world of undercover activities or maybe just in the wrong place at the wrong time. As we made a hurried exit from the chaos and turmoil, the black taxi raced by with its fur of damaged humanity, all victims of conflict and reality. Above flew a British Army helicopter just 100 feet above the unfolding scenario and as revealed later in radio contact with other undercover soldiers in the vicinity, but no effort was made to save the two soldiers' lives. 
It was a week of unparalleled savagery during the entirety of the 30-year conflict. In essence, it was a microcosm of a much greater division in society which had bladed our country down through the centuries, perpetuated and prolonged by foreign interference. 30 years have passed since those horrific days. We're definitely in a better place. Could we have arrived at this juncture in time two decades into the 21st century without the horror of decades of conflict? The 13 days of death left as many questions as answers. Who was the highly placed IRA person who passed the info to the British to foil the Gibraltar attack? Why did the SAS not arrest the unarmed IRA volunteers? Who passed the info from the RUC to the UDA that the Gibraltar funerals would have no security force involvement? Were the two soldiers actually undercover or just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Why did the army make no attempt to rescue them? We'll never know. History is as it is and we can't change it.